Amen. Amen. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Happy Sabbath. All right. Good afternoon. All right. Um, for this presentation, as many others that y'all have participated with me in, I'm not going to be able to read the notes again this morning as I would have liked to, um, but that's fine because sometimes I see the goodness of God's hand in this because it, it, it's, it's designed to wake people up too. So everything that God does is good. Amen? Amen. So even in situations like this, and I, and I pray that we would all be involved because by his mercies, I, I, I like to be involved with what the Lord wants me to be involved in. Ellen White has a nice quote where she says, we should be interested in what God's interested in. And Jesus is interested in the work of the 2300 days and the cleansing of the sanctuary. So we should have absolute interest in the same thing that he's interested in. And if we're not interested in it, that means we don't have the mind of Christ. And, and if, we don't, if we don't have it, what must we do? Ask for it. If we're not interested in these truths the Lord's opening up, then we need to ask the Lord to make, make us interested in it. There's a, there's a very troubling verse in the book of Job, or Jeremiah, where it says they have no delight in God's word. Um, there's a people who have no delight in it. They don't find any joy. They don't find any sweetness, either in his law or the prophecy. Or the prophecy. Um, they don't have, find any sweetness in it. And as we go through this, we're going to see why they don't find any sweetness in it. It's a calculated attack by Satan that people are not interested in the things that God wants us to be interested. It's a, it's a strategic attack. And I pray that by the end of this, we'll be motivated to want to study the 2300 days. Um, I realize that in order to study the 2300 days, you have to be awake. Y'all hear me? If you're not awake, you can't study it. Amen. If you're not awake, what did he do at the midnight cry? And when they woke up, what did he give them? The sanctuary. So if you're not awake, what can't you get? So what must God do first? Wake you up. On August 11, 1840, was the world asleep or awake? So what did the Lord have to do? Wake them up. Why did he have to wake them up? He's about to make a change. And if you're sleeping when he makes a change, you're lost. Is everyone following? So if we're still asleep when he goes from the dead to the living, you're lost. You're going to be lost. It's a life or death what? And the Lord has been trying to wake people up for a long time, and this is what we're going to see as we go through this. So if you're not awake, you're going to have a hard time studying the 2300 days. But what must you be awake to? Is everyone following? All right. Um, it's okay if you're not following. By the grace of God, as we get through this, hopefully we'll follow along as we go along. Can I have a reader for the first verse um, from um, Mark, 10. Mark 10, 18? There's none good but one, that is God. Okay. So who's good? God is good. All right. Can I have a reader for the next one? And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So when then have it tears? Where did evil come from? If there's none good but God and everything he made is good, then everything should be what? Good. Then what happened? What happened? Men went to what? So if you're sleeping, what are you? Evil. Evil. You should be a what? You should be because God is what? What does it mean to be awake? What does it mean to be awake? Yes, those, that's, that's good. That's true. Those are all true. To understand. If you're asleep, you don't understand. Is everyone following? My people are destroyed for lack of what? Knowledge. Knowledge is designed to wake us up. That's what knowledge is designed to do. At the time of the end, there should be an increase of knowledge by people waking up to the realization that they're living in the last days. 
Amen. And that the judgment is near. You should be awake to this judgment and not sleeping. Next quote. So where did the evil come from? If, every, if God is good and everything he made is good, that means everything God touches is good. Everything God looks at is good. Wherever, whatever God says is good. Wherever he walks is good. Everything about God is just good. So where did the evil come from? Where did it come from? Can I have a reader for the next verse, please? Revelation chapter 12. And there was war in heaven. Hold on. War where? How can there be war in heaven? How can it be? If, the, if God is good, that means heaven is good. So what was the reason for this war? What was the reason for this war? It's not in here. I'm going to just quote it because I believe everyone knows this. Even the Satan worshiper knows this verse. Thou hast said in thine heart that, what did he say? I will be like who? The Most High. And what did he want to do? So he wanted to rule over church and what? State. A evil desire, a t evil means tear. Good means weak. That's what Christ says in Matthew 13. Good is weak, evil is tear. An evil thought, an evil thought is a tear that takes away the good thought. Is everyone following? If we have an evil thought, if we're cherishing an evil thought, we're working on the ground that Satan worked on and is going to eat away that good thought that the Lord put in you from the very beginning. Because everything God has made is good. So something has to take away this good. And that thought entered into Satan's heart and, the, and Revelation 12 picks up from where he manifested that thought. Now there was war in heaven. Is everyone following? If we don't get rid of that evil thought, there's going to be war in God's church. Is everyone following? The same steps that, that led him to make that war is the same steps that will lead us to make that war. And the 2300 days is designed to cleanse us from the evil thoughts that's going to lead us to make that war at the Sunday law. That's what the 2300 days is designed to do. There's thoughts that we are cherishing right now. Every single last one of us is cherishing thoughts that's not approved or sanctioned by the good God. And he's sending us these messages to wake up to the realization that that thought in which you're cherishing, it needs to go. Because at the end of the day, if it doesn't go, you're going to make war against me. That's what the scriptures teaches. It's written for us. Is everyone following? All right, so finish the verse, please. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels. All right, we're going to take that. Read the next one, please. Hold not thy peace, O God, of my praise. For the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful are open against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have compassed me about also with words of hatred and fought against Start right there. How did they fight? How did they fight? With words, the, with words of what? Hatred and a lying what? This is, this is the spirit of the nature of the war that's in Revelation 12, 7. This is what Satan did in heaven. He fought with a lying tongue. And what else did he do? With words of hatred. Hatred against what? Continue reading. And fought against me without a cause. Hold on. So, every, so the war in heaven was without what? There was no cause for it. Why was there no cause for it? Everything was good. Why? Who fights against anything that's good? Does that make sense? So in order to fight against something good, you need to frame a lie. You need to come up with an idea to overthrow that good idea. You need to frame something to oppose that. That's what many of us are going to do if we don't allow the 2300 days to cleanse us. We're going to frame ideas that oppose these truths. 
Haven't we seen that? And we're going to continue to see it until Jesus says, it is finished. But we need to see that that warfare is taking place in us, and we need to work with Christ in removing that wrong thought that we know is there. We know it's there. Every one of us know it's there. Every man knows what's in him, the Bible says. But there are some thoughts that we don't know is wrong, and Christ is going to bring us to that point and show us that that idea is wrong and it needs to go. And this is the purpose of studying the 2300 days. Is everyone following? Amen. Continue with the verse, please. This is talking about us. This is talking about us. The scriptures is dealing with us, every one of us. And, um, and the Lord wants us to take the beam out of our eye, which is the wrong thoughts. And when the wrong thoughts has gone out of our eye, our eye is understanding. When the wrong thought has gone out of our understanding, we'll see clearly. We'll understand clearly how to help somebody else. Is everyone following? So the 2300 days is designed to make us see clearly on how to help somebody else that needs that cleansing. But if we don't allow Christ to cleanse us from the wrong ideas in which we hold to, we can't help anybody else. And, and this, is, this is telling us what will happen to us if we, le- if we hold on to these wrong ideas that we know are wrong because God will never let somebody come to a point and not know that idea is wrong. Never. The war didn't happen in heaven because Satan didn't know the idea he had of the desire that wanted to be God was wrong. Because he, he was a covering cherub. The first law says, thou shalt have no other what? Gods before me. He knew that law. But the scripture says he framed a lie to say why he needs to be a God above God. He framed a lie. And it was a, it was a good enough lie to take a third of the angels with him. So how good is the lie now? It took our first parents. So what is he lying to us about now? What is he lying to us about now? The same lie he said in heaven, he's saying it right now against what? We're going to see what he's lying against. Continue with the verse, please. It's specific what he's lying against. For my love, they are my adversaries. But I give myself unto prayer. And they have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love. <coughs> Set thou a wicked man over him. Let Satan stand at his right hand. That's what happened in 1989. Is everyone following? Mm. In 1989, Satan is standing at the right hand of the United States of America. That's what 1989 was designed to show us. Is, is everyone following the thought? Uh, if we don't see it, it's fine. We'll develop as we go along. Huh? Yeah, Gabriel's there. What is Gabriel there for? To resist the wrong thought. That's what he's there. That's what Daniel 10 shows us, right? He's resistant, but Gabriel's only there to illustrate the, the thought that Satan is standing at the people who's receiving the increase of knowledge. And Gabriel's also there trying to resist the wrong thought at the same time. So that means we're what? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. But this time, what is it going to be? A Sunday law. A Sunday law. That's when Michael comes down. Amen. Amen. But he's not going to cleanse us if we don't allow him to take the wrong thought. If we don't wake up, that is. To be awake is to have the right thought. To be asleep is to have a wrong thought. Wrong thoughts put Adam and Eve to sleep. A wrong idea by Satan put him to sleep. And he warred. Sleeping leads to warfare. Is everyone following? Amen. We need to be awake. But what, awake to what? Continue. Adversary. What does adversary mean? I just want to point where it says attacker. That's what an adversary is, right? To attack. So you become an attacker with lying words, lying tongue. 
But what does Satan mean? Just the part where he's an enemy of what? So everybody is Satan who's an enemy of good. Satan is, the, Satan is the father of all the children of the enemy of good. So take that thought and go back to Revelation 12, 7, where it says Michael, the prince of good, and his good angels fought against Satan and all the evil ones that hate good. Y'all are following? That's what it is. So Christ and his Christ fought against Satan and his Satans. Is everyone following? Christ and his Christ, the defenders of good, is fighting against Satan and, the, and, the, and the, those who hate good. They hate everything good. They despise everything good. Okay, what's good? Romans chapter 7. What does it say is good? Acts 10. Acts 10. Acts, Acts 10. Oh, yes, that part, yes. Our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. You can start right there. So Jesus went about doing what? So when did this take place? When did God anoint him? So right there, that's where Revelation 12, 7 begins, right there. And we're going to read the verse. It begins right there. As soon as you get baptized, you took a good step. And what is now going to happen? The enemies is going to war against that good step. They're going to war against the baptism you just took and what you got baptized into. They're going to fight against it. Immediately after Christ got baptized, what happened? Satan, showed, Satan and his angels showed up to war against the good step that he's taken towards the kingdom. And that's what's happening with us. Not going to happen. That's what's happening with us. A good thought came to us and we got baptized. And if we didn't get baptized, then we didn't take a good step. Y'all following? If we're not baptized into this truth, we haven't taken a good step. So don't expect the warfare from Satan because my Bible says he wars with those who get baptized. You're already on his side by not being baptized. Is everyone following? Time to wake up. It's time to wake up. If you haven't been baptized, it's the 23rd of days teaches you from the very beginning. Baptism. Is that not what Romario and Rashad have been going over? Know ye therefore unto the Messiah to who? And when did, what did he do? So the first step towards the kingdom of God is what? Baptism. Into what? Into the understanding of Daniel 8.14. Christ got baptized according to the understanding of Daniel 8.14. And Satan came down to convince him that he did not fulfill Daniel 8.14. The father says, this is my beloved Messiah in whom I will please. And Satan came and says, if you're the Messiah... Turn these stones into what? Right. The warfare started. Are you going to hold on to the teaching of Daniel 8.14? The warfare has always been over Daniel 8.14. Always the plan of salvation, but something else, the commandments of God. Read the next one. Amen. Praise God. Read the next one, please. I think it's Romans, right? No? Oh, yes. Read the quote. Praise God. That's the, um, Daniel Revelation. The quote. It says, the, it's talking about 12-7. Um, how does the bowl begin? The bowl begins in the seventh verse. Okay, yeah, you can start there. It's talking about Revelation 12-7. In the seventh verse, it is equally plain that we are carried back into previous ages. How far? To the time first introduced in the, in the chapter. It, the days of the first advent, 
and there was war in heaven, the same heaven where the woman and the dragon were seen at, seen at first. But there were actors in, in scenes that took place here upon the earth. Stop. I love this chapter in Revelation 12. It's a beautiful chapter. It's, it's fully connected to Daniel 8.14. Yeah. Because he says the warfare started when Christ was anointed. So you have to tie Daniel 9 to Revelation 12 in order to really understand the warfare that took place on 27 AD. Yeah, you, re, amen. Revelation 12 and Daniel 8, 14, they are two books that go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. Because the woman clothed with the sun, she's clothed with the what? The gospel. This is what Christ says. The time is fulfilled. Repent ye and believe the what? Revelation 12. Believe this. It's a beautiful chapter, and I wish we had some time to walk through it. The Lord is bringing out some nice thoughts from it that's fully tied to the 2300 days, but I'll only, I'll only give you a crumb in hopes that you'll be encouraged to, 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 to blend these two things. From Revelation 12, verses 1 to 6, like he said, verse 7 starts with the dragon, Michael and his angel, versus Satan and his angel, and, and the pioneers understood that was 27 AD. It was, the scenes in Revelation 12 is depicting something that took place on earth. But the Lord blended the events on earth to mirror what took place in eternity in the past in heaven. And Ellen White says that's the primary view, not the secondary view. So when, when our mind is spiritual, the primary view becomes the spiritual things. Is everyone following? The primary view becomes the spiritual. The first thing you're going to end up seeing now is spiritual things. Because, amen. Because God always comes first. And must worship him how? When Adam and Eve sinned, they lost the ability to see God first. She put the beast first and Adam put the woman first. Is everyone following? So our nature is always the earth first and women first. So Christ came to turn that back. Seek ye, seek ye what? First the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these natural things will be added on to you. Is everyone following? But our first parents flipped that on his head. But Christ came to set things back in order. And the dragon is now warring against that and trying to make us go from spiritual to natural. Christ is trying to make us go from spiritual to holy spiritual to most spiritual. Go ahead. Yes, because that's what you see. Amen. Amen. You're immediately. Amen. You're gonna see it right away. You're just gonna see it. As soon as you go in there, you're just gonna see it. Go ahead. Connected with what Sonia just said, that's because when as you as you as you're on the platform that's above the earth, those spiritual things are now natural to you. Yeah, that's true. Because those spiritual things are literally happening. Yeah, for you. Amen. Amen. For you, it's like that. Amen. Walking with Christ hand in hand. So. What's the next quote in there? You have another bold one, I think. Okay, right you finish. And to what point are we carried back? Evidently to the commencement of Christ's ministry yes, uh, here upon earth. Amen. And 27 AD, right? Yeah. So I only want to read that to show that Revelation 12, Daniel 9, they go together. You have to study that in connection with Revelation 12. Daniel 9 is studied in connection with that. Because what it's really teaching you is the divine and the human. That's what it's really teaching you, how the divine and the human work. Revelation 12, verses 1 to 6, is Christ in his humanity. Amen. It says he brought forth, a, brought forth a man child. What happened to the man child? He died. What dies? Humanity. humanity. But verse 7 says, 
Now, Michael and his angels fought against Satan and his angel. Who's this? Christ's divinity. So this is why he says it picks back up with seven. So somehow, while Christ's humanity was dealing with pagan Rome, Christ's divinity was dealing with Satan, the chief rebel of pagan Rome, at the same time. And at the same time while that was happening, Christ and his humanity was holding on to man on earth. Christ's divinity was in communication with God in heaven. Is everyone following? This is the ladder we have to climb. His divinity, Ellen White says, with his divine hand, he grasps the throne of God, which is human hand. He holds man and he brings man up to where God is. So while he, 27 AD, Christ was fighting two wars. He was fighting pagan Rome and he was fighting Satan in heaven. At the same time, how was he doing it? Psalms 109 says it was lying words. Satan was fighting with words and Christ was fighting with words. And when it came to the cross, it's a beautiful thought. When it, when it came to the cross and the father set Christ before the Jews and Pilate, Pilate's God the father. The Jews represents the citizens of all the planets and Christ is there and Satan is there. Is everyone following? And the father says, whom will you that I release unto you? And the citizens of heaven says, away with Satan and give us Christ. The Jew says, away with Christ, give us Barabbas. Y'all are seeing this? And then at the cross, when it was fulfilled, when the, in order for them to get Christ, he had to die. Because flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. So Christ had to die for the citizens of the other worlds to get him for eternally. But not only them, us. Is everyone following? It's heaven and earth. Is everyone, if you're not following the thought, let me know because we, we, we have to understand these things because it's concerning us. Is everyone following? Amen. All right, so at the cross when Christ died, what did, what did Jesus say? I saw Satan fall like lightning from him. He was cast out. Jews cast him out. They cast Satan out. Amen. A reverse. <laughs> it's a flip. They get Satan. We get Christ. So it's just beautiful. I, I just pray that. Amen. Yes. But they knew better. The, the citizens in heaven were awake. The Jews were asleep. So if we're asleep, that's what we will do. And someone will take our place just like Christ took Satan's place. Christ took his crown. So if we're asleep, someone will take our crown. Is everyone following? If you want your crown, you better wake up. If I want my crown, I better wake up. And the Lord's been trying to wake us up for a long time. Next quote, please. What is, uh, Romans 7. Romans 7. Okay, I think I'm going to just reference that. He just says the law is good. Amen? And Psalms 109 says he wars against good. So this is where the war, this is where evil came from. It was a warfare against good. And, and Paul says the law is good. Okay, can re read Deuteronomy, please. I think it's 29, 29. I'm going to reference that, too. Is that the next one? Yes. Deuteronomy 29, 29. We all should know. Everybody in this movement should know this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are what? Revealed, revealed belong unto who? Oh. Unto us. What's revealed? What does that mean? What is it talking about? Prophecy. It's prophecy. To reveal something is, is a prophecy. It's called the book of what? Revelation, it's a prophecy. To reveal means something prophetic. Something prophetic is being revealed to you. But what does Revelation 12, 17 say? And a dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And what's the testimony? 
For the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So why is Satan warned against the commandments in the spirit of prophecy? Because they're good and they reveal him. They're good. Swinton just went over it. The law is sweeter than what? The spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy is the honey, is the little book. And the, and the Ten Commandments is sweeter than those. So say the dragon is angry with the little book and the commandments of God. And those who keep the commandments and the little book. He's angry with them. They're the, they're the only ones he's angry with. He doesn't care if you didn't get baptized. He's not angry with you because you're not keeping anything. You're not following what Jesus followed. So he ain't angry with you. The scripture shows us who he's angry with. He's angry with Christ. And everyone who takes the same step of Christ, he's angry with them. Because Christ understood the law of God and the spirit of prophecy. He is the law of God and the spirit of prophecy. Amen. He is Alpha and Omega. The hope of glory. And Swindon didn't bring up this part. It's a really nice thought. The, ten, the, the, the Exodus 20 is a beautiful chapter. It's a real beautiful chapter. How does it begin? And God spake all these words, saying, tie that with Matthew 15, and it will make more sense to you. It will make so much more sense to you why it's sweeter than honey. Because Jesus says, speaking about the Ten Commandments, out of the abundance of the heart. So when God spake, what was he speaking? The abundance of his heart. Yeah, he's given you the, the Ten Commandments is the abundance of God's heart. When you receive it, you're receiving his heart. Let this heart be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And then the Lord says, the words that I speak unto you, they're what? So when God spake his Ten Commandments, they're really what? But because of our blindness, we don't see that. Because of our blindness and the hardness of our heart, we don't see that his commandments is also spiritual. And that's why Christ can come and say to you, Moses said this, but I say unto you, it was always like this. But because you don't receive me as the Messiah, you don't see this. And because you don't get baptized, it don't get revealed to you. Isn't that what he told to Nicodemus? Flesh and blood. Isn't that what he said? Nicodemus, if you don't get the water baptism, you're not going to see what I'm saying to you. And therefore, you're not going to have any warfare with the dragon. He's not angry with He loves you. He loves you because you're an enemy of good. How are you an enemy of good? You didn't take the steps Christ took. So therefore, you're warring against the good steps of baptism. Why is the Lord stressing this point? Is it because somebody needs to take that step? Yeah. Say it again. Is it because somebody needs to take that step? Yeah. Why are we not considering that step? Christ didn't consider it. He just did it. He says, suffer to be so now, because thus it becometh us to do what? To fulfill. Who was trying to stop him? He thought he was doing something good. Where did that thought come from? Amen. Amen. Satan rose up. How, what was John doing? The same thing Sarah did with Abraham. Go on to Hagar. It's the same thing. Is everyone following? It's spiritual. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual connection. There, Sarah was resisting the birth. John was resisting the birth. So you can be a good man resisting the birth of baptism. Thinking you're doing what? John thought he was doing something good. Sarah thought she was doing something good. Peter did the same thing. Amen. 
Amen. He was resisting it for a little while. Some of us may be resisting that same thought as well. Get baptized. Get baptized. If you don't do it, you're not taking the steps I took. And say it again. Because there's certain, that's what Jesus told to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. There are certain things you can't see unless you take this step. Why can't you see it? You, you see it when Satan actually wars against you. That's when you see it. Because now God has to deliver you from his warfare. Because when you take that step, he's going to come war against what you receive as the truth. So now God has to reveal to you what that truth is. So you're actually hindering your growth by not doing that step. Satan warring against us is God's opportunity to teach us. John 9, they warred against the blind man who was healed. It was God's opportunity to teach him. The warfare is God's opportunity to teach us. So what are we saying? The Sunday law is the greatest opportunity that God is going to have to teach us something that we couldn't have unless that came. Unless the Sunday law come, there's something we can't learn until that test come. But we're not ready for that test unless we take the first, the second, and the third step to come to that test. And that's what God is doing. It's time to wake up. It's been time to wake up. Go ahead, Romero. What is it dealing with? Christ says, if you want to sit down on my right, Okay, you got to drink the cup. Baptized. Amen. 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 That's not. It's the washing. Amen. It's the washing of the thoughts, washing of wrong ideas. And right, they couldn't learn about the Sabbath unless October 22nd came. They needed October 22nd to learn about the Sabbath. Go read. That's what she says plainly in GC. They needed that opposition so that God can give them the Sabbath truth. So there's something about the Sabbath that we really won't get till the Sunday law. And, and for some people, here's, here's the object lesson here. Some people are going to die when they get it. Do you see what I'm saying? Because they weren't cleansed, that fire is going to burn them up. And some people are going to die when they do get it. Because they have the little book, self is going to die. And the fire is not going to burn them up. Some people are going to experience the lake of fire and die at the Sunday law. And some people are going to experience the lake of fire and ride through the Sunday law. Is everyone following? So in order to be ready for the fire, we better be baptized and cleansed into this message. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yes, amen. Uh, what is appointed unto man wants to die and then the judgment. Amen. Yes, amen. How do they die? Galatians 2.20. We need to know this. It's, it's every Christian. Every Christian needs to know this. It's um, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but what? Not I, but Christ liveth in me, and a life which I now live is the faith of the Son of God. We need to know that. Paul says, I am crucified, I am dead, so that Christ can live. No, they, that's the point I'm making. Some people are going to literally die. Yeah. Amen. Some people are going to die. Amen. Why are they going to die? Because they have Christ does not live in them. But some people are going to die because Christ lives in them. Is everyone following? Mm -hmm. It's important that we understand this. What's the next one? Uh, John 4.32. That was dealing with the... Uh, yes, okay. I, um, I'm going to just reference that. We can read that. Go ahead with the hand. I can't hear you. 
Yes. Amen. Yeah. No, they died. Because Ellen White says there was a shut door. And what was a shut door? Those who saw the truth and after were rejected, they're dead. They're dead. Samuel Snow, dead. That's scary. It's really scary. Samuel Snow found out, he found the Messiah and rejected him. Josiah Litch found 1840, rejected it. Is everyone following? They found the two key points, the two people that God used to find the two key points ended up crucifying Christ on October 22nd. That's scary. You know why it's scary? Because they were the foolish virgins. How are they foolish when they study the scripture? How? Think about that. Just think about it. How was Samuel Snow a foolish virgin? How was Josiah Lish? These were staunch men. They really took their lamps and they really went out to meet the bridegroom. And they came to the disappointment. And the scripture said Samuel Snow and Josiah Lish had no oil in their vessel. That's scary. Why is it scary? Because look at the standard in which they set. And look at yourself. Do you meet their standard? Do you understand what they understand? And if you don't, then what makes you think you're not going to fall away? If they fell away with what they had and they didn't have oil, what makes you think you won't fall away? Now, it's not the amount of knowledge. It's about the knowledge with the oil. You need the oil in the vessel. That's the most important. No, no oil, no light. It's that simple. No oil, no light. They, didn't, they couldn't see it because how are you going to see it? You need the oil to see it. You need the oil to see it, but they had no oil in their vessel, so therefore they couldn't see it. And God, for, God forbid, that's any of us. This is the time to get the oil. 9-11 is where God gives you the oil, right there. 27 AD, who spoke? That's Christ getting oil. And what is he put, supposed to do? Increase in that. From that point forward, you're supposed to get more oil all the way to the test. That's what we're to do. Every one of us start with something. We started with a lamp. In order, I mean, you started with a lamp. That means you had enough oil to see something. But you got to keep accumulating that thing. Don't go back to sleep. Keep walking and advancing in that light so that you can receive more light. Now, I think Deuteronomy 32 and the next thing, 432. On October 22nd? Amen. Amen. That's true. Amen. Um, Daniel Revelations, you said, right? Yes. Having put in, having put an end to to the war, Pompey demolished the walls of. Oh, sorry. Before you go on, this next part that we want to go into is the first time. All right. So all I'm doing is, is bringing together a few verses for the first time. And, and I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to make a few points. The verse in Deuteronomy 32, 4.32, it was like the Lord was talking about people seeing things for the first time and has this been in the past and so forth. 
When we see something for the first time, we're to pay attention to it. It's very important, especially when the Bible points it out. Amen. Amen. We're to pay attention to it. Go ahead. Praise God. Amen. 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 For the, praise God. Amen. Praise God. You're going along. Amen. No one's ever what? So when you see something for the first time, what is it designed to do? Get you to think about it. Wake up. You've never seen nothing like this in the United States of America. This has never happened in the history of the world. Never. Since 1989, we're witnessing everything in this nation for the first time. The Lord's trying to wake everybody up. But one la- if we don't wake up by the midnight cry, there's a verse that says, sleep on now. Sleep on now. The next time you wake up is when you see the Son of Man come with great power and glory. That's the Civil Sunday Law in measure. There's a terrible crisis coming at the Civil Sunday Law. Terrible. A terrible judgment is just before us at the midnight cry. And, and go on. Now I want to, you can continue reading. Just Pompey, that part. Having put an end to the war, Pompey demolished the wall of Jerusalem, transferred several cities from the jurisdiction of, of Judea to, to that of Syria, and imposed tribute on the Jews. Thus, for the first time, was Jerusalem placed by conquest in, in the hands of, of the power which was to hold the glorious land in its iron grasp. Keep that in mind for 1989. Keep that in mind for 1989. For the first time, America united with the Pope, and they're in the hands of the Pope until America is consumed. Is everyone following? Adventists should have been the first people on this planet protesting that marriage and says it's unlawful for you to join hands with the man of sin. Adventists should have been right there protesting that union. How do I know Adventists should be there? Because as soon as Reagan did it, Daniel 11, 40 to 45, the message of protest arrived. But there was nobody there to protest. No one there understood it, so they couldn't protest. They couldn't protest. For the first time in 1798, the world saw the fall of the man of sin. The Catholic Church is a dead system. And the United States is officially, since 1989, speaking to the dead. Do y'all know what this means? What, do y'all understand what this I, I hope that we can get this. From that point on, because the highest, the highest office in this nation, representing the head of this nation, because they're now speaking to the dead, from that point on, all the leaders of our nation, the majority of them, are just going to do evil things. It doesn't matter what. And they're now given. That's what we just read. They're given into the hand of Satan. The man of sin is the Satan's agent on this planet. And when you've joined with him, Psalms 109 says, let Satan stand at where? His right hand. So at the right hand of the United States is who? Satan. Since 1989. But we're asleep. We're asleep. And God has shown us evidence that Satan is at his right hand. Because the very next thing is 1996. The very next thing is 9-11. The very next thing is 2008. The very next thing is 2014-15. The very next thing is 2016. The very next thing is COVID. And all these things are showing us Satan is standing at the right hand of the United States. All we've been having, that's what the person was saying, all we've been hearing is tragic events. 
Yes. Amen. And what is he trying to destroy? What did God give this nation that was good? The Constitution. When then hath it tears? When then have it tears? I want us to see some. In Millerite history, from 1798 down to October 22nd, the Protestants rejected the message that was to make them sober and put away the wine. And therefore, they started to drink right there. They started drinking. They started to drink the papacy's doctrine. When is a person drunk? At the beginning or the end? At the end, 1989 represents that we're at the end. That's what it represents. Once America joined the papacy, they're now drunk. This nation is drunk. The ideas that this government is now going to promulgate is confused ideas. Confused, a lot of confused laws is going to come from this point forward until we come to the most confusing law of them all, the Sunday law. We are supposed to see it. We're supposed to see this. It's the Lord's purpose that we see this. It's designed to wake us up. Because if we wake up, what, we sh what should we be studying? The very message that prepares us for the sun Sunday law. And unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be what? Yeah. Cleansed. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having an everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, and saying with a loud voice, 9-11, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his what? Yeah. Judgment of the living is come. That's what 9-11 is announcing. The hour of the judgment of the living is come. That's what it's announcing. Then what's the Sunday law going to announce? The hour of the executive judgment is come. The close of probation. Is everyone following? <laughs> but I know this message is going to be opposed. It has to be opposed. If it's not opposed, we won't get the light necessary to go to the next step. It has to be opposed. It's got to be opposed. But God forbid it's any of us that oppose it. Is everyone following? We don't want to be the founder one. You're only going to oppose it if you're asleep. Only sleeping people fights the truth. I'll ask a question. How do you wake up somebody that's asleep, that, that you need to wake up? You, you shake them? That's a loud noise. You do a few things. You call them. What else do you do? There's one more. Sometimes you can't do it. A terrible dream. Daniel 2, Peter was touched by the angel. All the things y'all saying is right. Peter was touched by the angel. Nebuchadnezzar woke up because a dream scared him. 9-11 was a nightmare. It was a dream that was designed to wake up the kings of the earth, especially Seventh-day Adventists. Should have woken up. That was supposed to scare us to death, but it didn't work. So the Lord says, okay, 2008 is going to scare you to death. But it didn't work. Okay, so 2014, the rise of ISIS should scare everyone to death. And 2015, by now seeing them making a, 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 a strange law, a, 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 what they, what, um, the, a unnatural ruling, by this, it should wake them up. But it didn't work. So, okay, so I'm going to set over them a heathen king. I'm going to set over them a president that's not connected or, or affiliated with a political system. And maybe this will wake them up. And since he went into office in 2016, the United States has not slept all the way till COVID. From the day Trump went into office, there's just been turmoil all over the world. What do we think the Lord was trying to do? Wake us up. Okay, that didn't work. So let me send them COVID. 
Maybe this will get, them, get their attention and wake them up. For the first time, America made an ambassador to the Vatican in 1989. The Constitution protested against that. In the 1950s, I think, I don't remember the president who tried, Truman, he tried to send someone to the Vatican, and Protestants, what did they do? Protested. They said this is a violation of the United States Constitution. So somebody recognized that. But Adventists slept on. Somebody recognized that. You know what happened? So what did, here's what the Lord is teaching. Here's what the 2300 days teach, what I love about it. The 2300 days teaches us that we actually have liberty. Even though we're sinners, we have liberty. Why? Because Jesus purchased everybody, even the wicked man. Satan doesn't own anybody. He owned us when our first parents fell, but Christ purchased us by promise when he brought the gospel to Adam and Eve. And anyone who believed that at that time, if anyone believed the gospel, they were, they were free citizens. Humanity was free because of that promise. But when Jesus actually came and died, it was ratified. And God gave this planet into his hand. But here's the problem. Christ can only accept those truly into his kingdom who's cleansed from sin. But in the kingdom of grace, he accepts wheat and tares. Y'all following? He accepts wheat and tares in the kingdom of grace. That's why the wicked and the righteous are his. Even if they're not Adventists, they belong to him. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. And even in the cause of probation, it still falls on the just and the unjust. It's just one is blessing, one is cursing. Is everyone following? So here's what the 2300 days teach. And I saw this. I said, praise God. Satan really doesn't own not a single human being. He only owns them based on what Genesis tells me when they, will, when they go into sin. That's when you put yourself under his, under his subjection, when you sin. Once you get baptized, you're a free agent. He doesn't own you. His goal now is to reclaim you. Is everyone following? But if you didn't get baptized, you need to ask yourself who has ownership over you. Because baptism says you come under the ownership of heaven. No baptism says you're not under the ownership of heaven. And that's why Christ was telling Nicodemus, you don't belong to me if you don't get baptized. Because to be baptized is to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if your name's not there, you're not his. And guess who's, guess who's not judged? Those whose name's not in there. Their judgment is at another time. Just go read what she says in GC. The only ones considered is the ones whose names are recorded in the book. But it's common sense. Naturally, when we get baptized, they naturally put your name in a book. So it's only natural. That's only a symbol of what takes place in heaven when we get baptized according to the gospel of Daniel 8.14. We now officially go into the book. Is everyone following? I know this has to be fought, and it, it, it doesn't, because that's how the light's going to come out on these things. Go ahead. Yes. But they have to wait till for the war. For the Amen. The That's nice. Amen. They have to wait till to the end. End. Amen. Amen. But you got to fight for your freedom. Yes. You are free. And why I went there is to show us that every human being, Christ really purchased us. He's really a good God. He really owns every single living human being. But Ellen White says we only, some people belong to him only by creation and redemption, but they don't really belong to him. They haven't made a conscious choice to choose him. That's where the gospel comes in. Amen. 
to now make them make a conscious choice to choose him and get baptized publicly, officially saying, I belong to Christ, officially. And now he gives you his spirit so you can recognize the attacks of Satan from that point forward. And you walk in it. By the grace of God, that's how the Lord has helped us to be where we are today. So back to the United States, because this is why this is important. Can, oh, so go ahead. Too, Nicole said that, um, that for the first time, they were in the grasp of the, the, they were in Rome. the, the iron grasp. Yeah, yeah praise God. Right? Thank you for bringing and that back. 1989, Amen. they put them, the United States put themselves in the, in the iron grasp Amen. to take down the iron curtain. Yeah, praise God. Amen. Amen. I'm glad you brought that back. I, I hope the thought stays as we go along. All right, can you read under 1989, under the head in 1989? 1989, please. 1789, 1989? Yes. Okay. Oh, wait, there's a quote. I think it says history. Yes. Yeah, can you read that, please? It says, prophecy is history in advance. History is the record of prophecies fulfilled. I love that. You know what I love that? Miller's rule says history and prophecy must agree. agree. You know what our pioneers believe? Satan can't counterfeit prophecy. He can't. That's why he don't want us to study the Bible. That's why he hates prophecy. He can't counterfeit the animals getting on the ark. That's impossible. That's why Christ come down and says, who can but prophesy? It's you know why it's impossible? You know what? I reason. Use reason to show why it's impossible. Why is it impossible? I'm before I say anything. Why is that impossible? It has to be created. It's got to be what? Created. What's got to be created? The, the events. It didn't happen yet. Yeah, it, amen. It didn't happen yet. That's one. There's, a, there's another reason why it's impossible. Do you know how much it takes to, to make all those links connect? That's impossible. And they went on to say that when Joseph went into Egypt, the Lord had to connect the Ishmaelites coming at the same time. He had to create an event for the Ishmaelites to go there at that time. And then he had to create an event that created that event to make that event take place. And then he had to create that event 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 to make that take place. Say it again. Yeah. Go ahead. Amen. It's impossible. Everything must happen. So what is Satan trying to do? He, the only way to control that and to make that happen is to make people believe one thing. Is everyone following? And speak to them through that thing. That's why he has a false religion. If everyone believed the same false religion, then he'll communicate to them uh, and have them do different. That's why the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet is going to come together at the end of the world to try to bring about false prophecy. Because now he has their minds in his hand. He can say, do this, do that. He's trying to be God. He's trying to create all the circumstances to bring about what he wants. That's e It's mesmerism. It's evil. <laughs> Go ahead. Amen. But what is God going to allow him to do? God's going to allow him to do that. Because it says, work in all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they receive not a love of the truth, God shall send them Satan. He shall send them Satan. He's going to make Satan look like he's doing the work of God. Where? All over the earth. But there's one place he can't go. Where can he go? You know it's in Daniel 9? It's right there. There's one place he can't touch, and it's dealing with the resurrection. He can't touch it. There's something about the resurrection we need to understand that frees us from the grave. It wasn't that how Christ was freed? So then we need to understand something, not just his death, but also his resurrection. The second coming is a type of a resurrection. I mean, Christ comes to resurrect people. 
So how important is the resurrection? Very important. You don't understand how he resurrected, you're going to be held in the grave that Satan is bonding you in. We need to understand Christ both in his death and his resurrection. One is taking up the cross and one gives life to those who have taken up the cross. And what is life eternal? Knowledge. Christ is going to give us a knowledge that Satan himself has never, ever seen in all his existence. Guess when he's going to see it? When it's lived in the people reflecting it. And the dragon is now wroth with the woman. And now he's going to make real war against those people who's reflecting that image that he's never seen until then. That's what, because that was his. Amen. Is everyone following? It's, this is what the Lord's trying to prepare us to be if we receive Christ um, the way he wants us to receive. The 23rd of days is a powerful prophecy, and, and, but we have to be awake in order to study it. And, and these events that's happened is designed to wake us up to study them. Can you read the next one, please? Eight minutes. All right, jump over that one and um, go down to the 1989, the ambassador, um, when they put Ronald on the Pope. 1989. I'm just walking us through history. One of those quotes that, that we didn't read, you can read it on your own. I'm just walking through this. Um, to All I'm trying to do is encourage us to study these things. One of, yeah, but before that, there was a quote that says that um, it was talking about Millerite history, and they were listing all the events that from 1798 down to October 22nd, those were providential events that happened at that time. Oh, yeah. The Great Reformation, all the Great Reform Movement, what that is, when you really bring it together, this is the greatest time the Lord manifests the most providential of His work and to work in to wake the people up at this specific time because He's about to make a specific change. And He needs to wake the people up at this specific time in where He's going to do this change. That's why Ellen White says the Great Reformation Movement, they, they're striking similarity. They're very similar. The Lord does the same thing all the time. 1989 is where the Lord comes to wake everyone... We're fast asleep. In 19, the whole world, not just Adventists, everybody's in a deep sleep. A deep sleep to what? A it's a specific sleep. Everyone is sleeping. One is to their condition. What's another one? To the events, the former things. Yeah, amen. What's another one? The what? The work of Christ. That's another one. But I want, there's two important ones. That's, that's above all those that will motivate people to get those. The close of probation and the second coming. Just read Revelation 22, verse 10 to 12. It says, seal not the sins of the prophecy of this book because the what? The close of probation is at hand. And then the very next verse says, behold, I come quickly. The, the, the knowledge about how probation closes and the second coming of Christ, Satan has caused the world to be sleep on these things. If these things come to your understanding, all those things that you just listed will work themselves out. If you can see that you're coming face to face with death, the close of probation, you will be inclined to study the message that delivers you from that death. But if you don't see that, you won't move to do the others that y'all listed. So the Lord had 9-11 happen to warn everybody, the close of probation is at hand. That's what 9-11 was. The close of probation 
is at hand. This is the generation whose eyes witness for the first time the fall of the Twin Towers is the generation that will not perish until Jesus comes. Is everyone following? This Because this, once the seven thunders open up, this is the sign to you that this generation, Matthew 24, Swinon just quoted, this generation shall not pass away till what? All these things be fulfilled. Why? Because the time is at hand. The, seven, the opening of the seven thunders is to warn us that the time is at hand. But we're so drunk with papal teaching and papal influence that we're sleeping on to the fact that one day probation's going to close and Jesus is going to come. So the Lord sends the strongest evidence in this prophetic time that he can send, the fall of communism. We've never seen that in all our existence. It fell for the first time. And like Rashad said, the iron curtain came down. What is the iron curtain a symbol of? What does a curtain do? It's a veil. The seven thunders is in the most holy place. So Christ removed the veil so that we can come back in. Y'all are not seeing this? He yeah. Yes, he blocked it. Satan is obscuring everybody's view with communism and papalism and Buddhism and Hinduism and atheism and apostate Protestantism. He's hindering it. But the Lord removed the iron curtain, the iron unbelief of understanding was taken away in 1989. But the light shined in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not because they had an iron unbelieving heart. So the Lord rose up Jeff Piffinger. The Lord healed him and woke him up and said, go preach this gospel. And he did, praise God. And when he did to confirm his preaching for the first time, the Lord brought down 9-11 to confirm his teaching. But guess what America did? For the first time in 1996, they made the first law against the Constitution. For the first time, guess why they did it? Anti-terrorism. But why did they bring down communism? Because Ronald Reagan and the United States were afraid that communism was going to take over the state. The church was afraid that communism religion was going to take over the church. So because of fear, he went to go talk to the dead. Saul was afraid, so he went to go talk to the dead. Yeah, he went to go talk to the dead. Satan knows what he's doing, but Christ knows more than him. Praise God. And then what did they do in 1996? 1989 marks officially the United States is drunk with wine. They're just gone. Everything that they do from this point on is an attack on the Constitution. Every single law they make is fighting the Constitution. The Lord is only Gabriel who's in this nation by the grace of God working upon good lawmakers that's trying to oppose it. How do I know that? In 1996, they made an, a, a marriage law to defend good marriage. Why did they do that? Because the Lord is defending the Marriage Act with Daniel 11, 40 to 45. The natural and the spiritual, the Lord rose them up to defend. But 9-11, another wall falls. Why did that wall fall? Because of terrorism. So Satan made them make that law because of terrorism. Man, I wish I had time to go through all this. Walk down to 2008. What happened in 2007-2008? So what did they do because of financial crisis? They made another law. Yeah, yeah, they made another law. 
So what did they fear? They feared financial collapse. That's when the church so they fought the Constitution based on that. Yes, they did. Yes, they, amen. Praise God. That's nice. Amen. That's nice. Amen. That's nice. Praise God. Amen. Increase with goods. And now they have need of, now they have nothing. So they, now the church did something to save themselves. And the nation did something. What did they start doing for the bailouts? This is nonsense. Bailouts? This is the worst thing you can do. And then you come to 2014. So Satan was successful now. He used fear and terrorism and communism to get certain changes in the Constitution. Now he's going to use moral issues to get the other changes in the Constitution that he wants. So you come to 2015, 14, a moral issue. For the first time, the Supreme Court made a ruling on gay marriage. You know, why is that um, unconstitutional? Why is it unconstitutional? It's unconstitutional. Because it's not governing dictates of man's country. Yes, but yes, that's, that's one. But, but it's a direct attack on the Constitution. We have to see it. How? How, how is gay marriage attacking the Constitution? You know what? You know what? Go on. Yes, yes. The answer is in the identity of the two people, male and female. Yeah. The Constitution is for male and female. All man. men was created what? Equal. What is the key word in that we just said? I know there's many. Man. Created. Yeah. Uh -huh. The Constitution calls people to the Creator. The Constitution says God sets up kings and takes down kings. God is the one that says who's a male and a female. Reading the Constitution defines male and female. Because it says created, now you have to go to your Bible to see what did God create. He created male and female. So because this nation joined hands with the papacy in 89, they can't see right. They can't read the Constitution right. Just like in 1798, because the Protestants didn't break away, they can't read their Bible right. Everything they read is in the heart and the mind of Satan. So now when the statesmen look at the Constitution, they can only see Satan's ideas. Is everyone following? All these signs. And we're still sleeping. All these signs. We're still sleeping. And go ahead. Yes, amen. 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 Because if reason was changed, if your reason was convinced that Christianity is true, why won't you accept it? You, because men love what? Darkness, Darkness rather than light. They love the error rather than the truth. So just march on. You come to 2014. For the first time, they made that. 2015. For the first time in American history, Pope Francis stood in Congress speaking to lawmakers. Amen. What is he doing? He's breathing an unholy influence. This is fulfilling prophecy. He's standing where he's not supposed to be breathing an unholy influence. 
They see him as a moral judge, marking that we've reached a point of moral issues in the United States. 1989 marks the point we reach the issue of terrorism in the United States. Each point marks a different attack on the Constitution. So what is that saying? The midnight cry is going to be terrible. 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 Because we didn't wake up for 89 the way we should have, 96 the way we should have, 9-11 the way we should have, 2008 the way we should have, 2014-15 the way we should have, 2016 for crying out loud the way we should have. From the day Trump went into office, America didn't sleep. The whole world didn't sleep when Trump went into office. And then when Trump left office, the whole world still didn't go back to sleep. What they now have to deal with? COVID. What is the Lord trying to do? Who's he really trying to wake up? Seventh-day Adventists. Because COVID, we've now entered another phase. Remember how we lined up fractals? We put the fifth day to fourth one on the 89, 2014, 16, and 9-11. Each one of these is showing a different attack on the Constitution. So COVID now, they're using medical issues. Satan is using that to war against the Constitution. Is everyone following? That's what he's doing. What are we seeing? We're seeing um, the devices of the enemy. This is how he made people afraid of communism. He made them afraid of terrorism. He made them afraid of terrorism. He made them afraid of moral issues. He made them afraid of diseases. So what is he going to make them afraid of at the midnight cry? What is he going to make them afraid of at the midnight cry? Is everyone following? He uses fear to get people to change their minds. That's what he's doing. And Christ uses love to get people to change their minds. Amen. Give God glory. Christ is really about to allow something to take place in a magnitude in which we've never seen. And 89 is proof of that. 96, proof of that. 9-11, proof of that. 2008, proof of that. 2014-15, proof of that. 2016, proof of that. 50 to 4th one, proof of that. Just notice what I did. I just went through all of that. Did crisis decrease or increase? Well, if everything is, why is crisis increasing? Because knowledge is increasing. The more light he sends, the more trouble comes. Is everyone following? So he's about to send the greatest light for this time that we've ever seen. But that's at a great price. Great trouble. And just go read the Midnight Cry experience of the Millerite. That will be our experience. Just go read it. I challenge anyone. I'm, I'm, go ahead. Amen. Amen. Something was cleansed is why we're able to receive this truth. Amen. It's why the Lord is able to open that door. It's why we're still in this message. And because of that, we, we, we can have we can have faith that Amen. what's coming, we're gonna understand it because Christ is gonna design something else. Amen. And I'm only bringing that in. The message that we have to preach is a fearful message. It's, it's, it's designed to be a fearful message. That's what it's designed to do. The Lord is not trying to scare people. That's Satan's job. 
God's trying to scare us to repentance. He wants to set actual facts before, of, before us as what's before us and is designed to lead us to repentance. The message of the seven thunders is a revelation of what's going to come at the close of probation. From 89 to the civil sunny law, we're actually witnessing the close of probation in measure. Is everyone following? That's what it is. This is what the close of probation is going to If you think COVID was bad, the financial collapse was bad, the twin towers coming down was bad, wait till the Lord bring down many twin towers and many pestilences and many money issues is designed to lead us to go study Daniel 8.14 so he can take away your sins. Is everyone following? And there's one thing I want to read. It's the last one under the midnight cry. I want to read that one because um, this is one the Lord impressed. And it's Matthew 25. And then 1 Corinthians, I think, 10. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and turned their lamps, and the foolish and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. Why are they foolish? What makes them foolish? They needed preparation. They need they what? They didn't make the needed They didn't make it. Why did why, so what makes them foolish for not doing that? Because they knew what they were. They saw all the signs that pointed they to the said, coming. They said this is yeah, they saw all they saw 1798. They saw the falling of the stars. They saw 1840. They saw 1842. They saw April 19. They saw the midnight cry. But in all that seeing. It never dawned on them, let me take some oil, before October 22nd, 1844. That's foolish. That's foolish. In all the seeing of those signs, it never dawned on you to take some oil because the next test is going to be more severe than the last ones that you've seen. Is everyone following? The next experience is more fearful than the ones we've just passed. So if we don't have any oil, we need to get it now. But the oil has got at a certain place. And you know where you get that oil? Baptism. And the Lord anointed me. Where? Baptism. No baptism, no oil. Is everyone following? It's at the baptism where you get the oil. The foolish virgins were baptized, but they didn't get another baptism. Because you must be born of the what? Water and of the Spirit. Baptism saves nobody. Obedience to God is what saves you. God says get baptized, that's what you do. It's not the water that's saving you, it's your obedience to the requirements He has chosen for your salvation. That's what He chose, so do it. That's what He chose. What shall He say unto you? Do it. Christ did it and the Father says, this is my beloved Son. In whom I'm what? Well pleased. Why? I do always those things that please him. The Father says baptism pleases him. Because we chose to do it. And because you did it, he gives you the oil. So what, how do you continue to get the, the oil from that point on? Obeying everything he reveals to you. And like Rashad says, the foolish virgin stopped obeying somewhere but they never expressed it. So some of us may be sitting here because we love the truth. 
we have a regard for the truth, but honestly in our heart we stop studying this message somewhere. Is everyone following? The moment you stop studying this message, you stop receiving oil. And when you come to the crisis, now you want to know the message, but guess what you need? Oil. But you don't have it. Now is the time to get the oil. Where do you get it? At the beginning. Baptism. That's why the Lord is having us go back to the 2300 days so that we can get the oil and be prepared for his, be prepared for the change he's about to make very soon. Amen? And the last, last verse, 1 Corinthians, right? Yeah, 1 Corinthians. I just read the bold part. Awake to righteousness. So what does it mean to awake? And sin not. Praise God. What does it mean to awake? Mm-hmm. To righteousness. So at midnight, the virgins woke up to what? But one of them could do it, and one couldn't. One sinned not, and one what? Why did the other one sin? They had no oil. So what keeps us from sinning? The oil. The oil is what keeps us from sinning. Amen. That's, so some of us are going to wake up and realize we had no righteousness all this time. We had no Holy Spirit all this time in our vessels, with our lamp. The Holy Spirit is in the Bible, but God wants him to be in us. But guess how he gets in us? By us actually hearing his voice. Not just Moses, not just John, not just Peter, not just James. We actually need to hear the Holy Spirit himself. We must have a faith in God and his Bible. Faith comes by what? And hearing by the what? Okay, man shall not live by the natural Bible alone, but by every word that actually literally proceeds out of the mouth of God. We must actually hear God's voice through the Bible. Literally hear it. Is everyone following? Moses, Jesus said that. Moses says, what did Moses say? Thou shalt not kill. But God says, whosoever looks on, whosoever hated his brother in his heart has what? Murdered him as already. Moses did say thou shalt not kill. And the Jews believed that and they lived by it. But they had no oil. They didn't hear what God's version of what it means not to kill is. Moses can only tell you the natural not to kill, but God himself teaches you the spiritual part. And when you hear his voice, praise God, it's sweeter than honey. Harder not your heart. Amen? So my prayer is that we're motivated after this Sabbath. If we haven't been studying these things, please go home and study them like you've never studied before. And if you have been studying these things, praise God, but study them more than you've ever been studying before. Amen. And if you have been praying, praise God, but pray like you've never prayed before. And if you haven't been praying, I pray that you'll start this process of praying. And if you haven't been baptized, I pray that you consider that step because it's a righteous step. It's, it's actually a what? A required step, according to Daniel 9, verse 25. That's not our saying. That's the word of the Lord saying Amen. Christ took that step, so we got to take that step.
because that's where we get the oil, right there. So what am I saying? Daniel 9, 24 to 27 is where you get the oil. We need to hear man speak, but we need to hear God speak. Amen? And the 2300 days prepare our hearts to hear who? God speak. Amen? That's what it is. So I pray that we're encouraged to look into these things as the Sabbath um, commences. Shall we close out with, if there's no more thoughts? Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you for the Sabbath, O Lord, and, and for, the, for your word that's able to make us wise. And Lord, I thank you for these revelations in which you're allowing us to enjoy and partake of. But Lord, they're designed to wake us up, to wake us to righteousness and sin not. 1989 happened so that we would awake to righteousness and sin not. Everything that happened from that point on is designed to wake us up to righteousness. And we're told that, that um, um, the gospel is righteousness. For Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness. This is literally what everyone in this world has to wake up to. And Lord, I pray and ask that you help us to awake to the gospel, for this is the righteousness that will cause us not to sin. For you, for you said, This is my beloved Son. And John says, This is the one that takes away the sin. And you confirmed it by saying, this is the son that takes away the sin. Lord, we ask that you please take away our sin, which is error and darkness. Please wake us up, O Lord, for we are asleep. We, we're asleep to righteousness. We're asleep to what we should understand and don't understand because of the errors that we have in our own minds and in our own hearts. And I pray and ask, O Lord, that you will please cleanse us from these things, that you help us to continue to walk in the light of your truth so that we can continue to be cleansed, and that you may take these things away from us in due time, that we can send them on beforehand, um, um, for the blotting out of sin time period. So please help us with this, O oh Lord. I pray that those things which we don't understand that may have been said, help us, O oh Lord, to hold fast and to go home to see whether those things be so. And those things in which we do understand, Lord, may you increase the understanding, but most importantly, help us to depart from evil in the light of what you help us to understand. And we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.